Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's April 8th, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is never about power and control. We've seen a lot of that lately. But rather, for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. And that includes retirees, who are full members with the sole uh, uh, limitations on Article 6, Section 19. You should look that up. Everybody should look that up. So, off to our announcements. Uh, Announcement one. Today is our two-year anniversary show. Actually, we started April 4th, 2016. So, uh, oh boy, (laughs) have we seen and reported on some things over these past two years. Most assuredly, we want to thank everyone who has worked so hard and so diligently, so very diligently, to make this show such a wonderful success. Of course, we'd like to thank all of the amazing guests that we've had on this show during the past two years, especially this past year. We did some amazing things. And as you know, our show gained even more acclaim this, uh, at the beginning of this year when we were invited to join the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Thank you, everybody. Everybody. Really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, It couldn't have been done without all the people here uh, on this show and the people behind the scenes that support this, uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, Announcement number two. I'd I'd like to make, make a note that for several years now, my Leroy McKnight IP address on my computer changes every 15 minutes. So it's virtually impossible to track anything on it. However, there have been many attempts to hack me and spew misinformation regarding me. So um, just know that uh, I've taken steps to secure the information that we work with every day uh, as it comes out of this master computer. So uh, we have had some, like I said, some attempts to hack me. Uh, we're going to forego to email this evening, uh, and then we'll get to this week's definition, uh, ethos. And this is a repeat from a uh, few weeks ago. Ethos, the distinguishing character, sentiment, moral nature, or guiding beliefs of a person, group, or institution. Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. Okay? Um, then we have... Uh, up next are our, this week's quotes. We have two of them. Interesting, because uh, you know we, we have amazing history in our country. 
Uh, first one is change of any sort requires courage. Courage causes change. Mary Ann Rademacher said that. The next one is rather interesting from the Revolutionary War. And some of you will recognize this and others may not. Uh, it starts off, let me die in this old uniform in which I fought my battles. May God forgive me for ever having put on another implied uniform. And that's a quote by Benedict Arnold near the end of his life. People should look him up. Uh, let me bring on Jeff. Uh, you know, Jeff, uh, how's your week going? Oh, busy, Leroy. Just busy. My oldest son just stopped by and just left a few minutes ago. Um, good visit. Other than that, I've been running around town the last three or four days and I'm tired, <laughs> but I'm okay. Yeah, I got it. I was a little tired myself. I took a a, a week off or so, and we ran a few uh, encore shows, and then we didn't have one for Easter. So we're back here at it hard again. I uh, just needed a little bit of a break. I've been working 18 hours a day, and and uh hope everybody understands that. Uh, everybody needs a little break once in a while, so... Uh, we're back at it, and uh, we'll see just what everything brings. It's been an interesting few weeks, and uh, as you know, we've been doing a little testing, uh, check and see where our our uh, actual traffic is coming from to our uh, primary radio show and then to our, our, our dot-com as well. So a uh, little testing going on there. We did that on Friday, especially uh and I may have uh, not understood that fully, but that was uh, actually uh, planned. We needed to know we were having some spikes. We didn't know where those were coming from. So uh, we've determined that. And it's good. We had some good stuff. It's really, really huge spikes in the, in the listenership. So, uh, uh, Jeff, I think you're going to talk about the Constitution some more today. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, we're going to pick up with, Article 12, Section 15, that's where we left off that, Leroy. Okay. Um, that's called, Article 12 is the, oh, let me look here, duties of the International Executive Board. So we went all the way to down to 14, tonight we're going to start with 15. Uh, first one is... Financial officers, including presidents of the local unions of this international union, shall be bonded by such methods and agencies in as such amounts as the International Executive Board may determine, but in no case shall be bond shall the bond be less than the amount required by law. Section sixteen. The International Executive Board shall have the power to adjust disputes between employers and employees and to make contracts with employees in accordance with this Constitution. In addition, this 
the International Executive Board shall have the power to adjust jurisdictional disputes between local unions. This one has been a major problem for uh, our folks down in Lordstown, Ohio. As you know. um, Yeah. Right. So um, it's been a big issue down there. Down there. Uh, Section 17. The International Executive Board has established a satisfactory administration arm for such handling of members' appeals relating to the processing of collective bargaining grievances. A decision by such administrative arm may be appealed to the International Executive Board by the procedures set forth in Article 33, Section 3. And we know a lot about that one, too, Leroy. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, quite the educational last few years, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, you know, our job is to like educate said, people. The, and the, the anniversary show sure sure does go there, doesn't it, Joe? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a hell of a year, I'll tell you. Hmm. Okay, Section 18, the National Executive Board may resend, reverse, or appeal any action of the international officers or representatives. Yeah, we'll check that out too real soon. Section 19, verbatim minutes shall be taken at all meetings of the International Executive Board except when the the board by a seven-eighths vote of those those present decides at the best interest of the union shall serve by informal discussion of the membership of the board in such sessions as committees of the whole in which the event minutes shall be transcribed immediately and copies there therefore of be shall distributed to my eyes are playing games on the really um, uh, sucks getting old okay <laughs> uh, I tell you a lot of doctors in business lately. Uh, this is large, so I can read it. Such copies shall be made available to any interested member in good standing for inspection at the offices of the International Secretary Treasurer of each International Executive Board member. In addition, Secretary Treasurer shall prepare a summary of official International Executive Board action after each executive International Executive Board meeting shall be sent to each local union. Uh, last section for this one, um, Section 20, the International Executive Board shall create and operate a political action committee to be known as the UAW Voluntary Community Action Program Committee UAWVCAP. This committee shall be authorized to make policies concerning expenditures and contributions involving federal elections and make expenditures and contributions from a fund established by voluntary contributions from UAW members, their families and friends. Once each year, a summary report of income and disbursements, disbursements of Federal elections by categories shall be made. I have never seen uh, 
a summary report of the money that has been spent in my years for federal elections. Have you, Leroy? I I have, uh, Jeff. Uh, Those, uh, I'm I'm not sure how widely published they are, but I know at Mm -hmm. the CAP Council, we we saw those uh, in the uh, CAP Councils, uh, and they were sent down from the uh, international uh, on on uh, the, the amounts of money that was spent, uh, I think I, I don't. I shouldn't even speculate on that. I mean, I, I can just tell you that I I have seen them. Uh, they're you know they're rare, obviously you know because you're like you you're pretty active and you hadn't seen them, but I have you know so just saying. Okay, that's the end of that section. Yeah. Um, okay. Article. Article 13 is very, very long, too. Um, we'll start that next week. Okay. If possible. It's, and that is titled Duties of International Officers. Maybe the IEB should listen to next week's show so they can understand what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and there's always that thing where that's part of the oath of office, and when uh, it's unclear, you're supposed to uh, abide by the dictates of common sense. Uh, exactly. That, exa- that's actually in the uh, the oath uh, install installation. Yes. Uh, so, yes. um, I I want to talk just a bit about uh, section twenty. Uh, I. I got tagged uh, uh, in an article on Facebook. Article's been taken down, but the link is still there. So I don't know who put it up, uh, but it's it's claiming some. You know, I mean, it it it's uh, the video is now on YouTube, and there was an embed on the on the post, evidently, and the post wound up in my uh, my my uh, notifications there. So. Um, this video has been redone, uh, and it's said a number of things about climate control, and then and who runs the the, the world, and then it said CAP, C-A-P. Uh, I I got to tell you that you know I, I got a lot of history in the CAP department as uh, the uh, um, past. Uh, CAP coordinator for Region 1C. I serviced 11 counties and some 63 local unions. I'm a past member of four local unions uh, and a member of one and past of three. So I just had a little plaque made up with that. That's really, really a nice job the lady made uh, and her son. Uh, but uh digress a little bit. This, this uh, video dealt with uh, the War Powers Act that's renewed every year since it's been renewed every year since 1932, and it dealt with the Bilderberg Group and a whole bunch of things. These these groups exist. I can tell you with absolute certainty, our CAP department has nothing to do with Bilderbergs. Uh, it has nothing to do with the War Powers Act that the president uh, re. re- uh, authorizes every uh, new president does that 
has done it since 1932. We don't we don't have that sort of authority. Our authority is to work with candidates and educate the members. You know, and when we get candidates, if we are able to get them elected by and through our political action, action uh, in the plants and the facilities, uh, that uh, we remind those people from time to time when they sort of stray from where we'd like them to be in regard to our membership. And that's our the extent of what we do. Uh, you know, we, we really work hard to, to try and put people in place that support our labor agenda and then to hold those people accountable for our support. And that's not always easy because, and there's a lot of these folks that are in the cap department. I got to tell you, they're not holding these folks accountable. You know, um, we did uh, while I functioned, and through the grace of God and the the uh, um, support of the membership, we were successful in making sure that. We got a lot of things done for the membership, on behalf of the membership. But I wanted to go back and say this: this Bilderberg group that has cap. It's I think it's called the uh, climate control uh, article, and then it has cap assigned to it. I I really take offense to that. Uh, we don't have any sort of that authority. I'm not sure who sent that uh, to me. Uh, and I believe that the International Union would take offense to it as well. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, I must tell the members, if you've, if you've seen it, those things exist. But I can assure you, assure you, having functioned at a very high level in our union regarding the CAP department, there is no effort at the Bildenberg Group and no effort to have the presidents reauthorize the War Powers Act and other things that's ta- that are talked about. It is an interesting, very uh, insightful article, but our CAP department doesn't do any of that stuff. Okay? So that's all I have to say about that. Um, you, know, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I just beside myself when I saw that and it was tied to a cap department. Uh, so, I mean, people saying all kinds of stuff out there and that's that's part of the problem with Facebook. You know, it's uh, just, they'll, they'll remake a, an article or a video and put something in the title that has nothing to do with it. And if you really fact check it, then, it, you know, it's, you really, you know, debunks all that. And I, I felt duty-bound, com- compelled to, to debunk that because it was out there, and I'm sure people have seen it. And all of that stuff exists, and all, most all of it, can, to my knowledge, is, is true. But we don't have anything to do with it, way above our pay grade. Okay, so having said that, uh, uh, so thank you. Do you have anything else on the, your Constitution pieces there? Yeah. Um, I'd like to take a look now, Leroy, because I know we're getting into 
uh, political panel a year again yeah. in each of the locals yeah. due to the convention. Um, I know Local 3000 is having their delegate election April 18th. Um, so we're just sitting back looking to see some of the resolutions that people are bringing in. Um, I'm hoping to see a lot of really good ones. But uh, just I'm just paying attention to who's putting out what on their flyers, what what they stand for to become a delegate. Um, so I'm just sitting back for a bit. Yeah. A lot, uh, of people, a lot of people don't know how important this election is. Um, yeah. You really need to pay attention and get out and vote. It's the most important election in our union. It, it is. Yeah. I want to uh, find this thing, if I can find it here. Uh, okay. Article 8, Section 25 is very important. And I'm going to cover this in, in my report, uh, not just this particular section. But it is important. And I'm going to, uh, if you don't mind, I'll start on, on my report. And I did want to talk about what's going on at the convention. And uh, I want to talk about our union a little bit. Uh, and Article 8, Section 25 of the UAW Constitution says, Local union action to instruct a delegate does not serve to commit or bind the delegate on any issue she, he may vote on at the convention. Now, no local union action, okay, can instruct a delegate to does does not serve to commit. Or I said, I mean, I paraphrased it and I reversed it. Uh, local union action to instruct a delegate does not serve to commit or bind the delegate on any issue she he may vote on at convention. That's going to be important here in just a second because I'm going to give you some past experience. And you may or may not like what I'm going to tell you. So let me just start by going over the, uh, the, the delegate election. There's a, a sign-up period, you know, uh, that you can... Uh, Put your name in the uh, competition to be elected. Uh, and then in that election, a number of things can happen. In one local union, this time around, they have four slots, and they're going to have election for delegate, and they're going to have a separate election for alternate. That's not, you know prohibited that I know of, but it does give the local union much more authority over controlling the top four spots, because when they have a delegate election for four people, and say 10, I think there's 10 people running, uh, they have real control over those top four spots. because of the shadow government that's out there, the 
elected, appointed people that they encourage to, you know, they're not appointed people who are not supposed to be able to carry a slate card, but certainly they're now of late uh, encouraged to go out and, and uh, do their thing in the, uh, the floor of the workplace. So, um, I'll let that be as vague as I can, uh, and you know what I'm talking about. And then when you have the second alternate election, the top four spots are, again, much more easy to control because your shadow government goes out there and supports the top four people in both elections. And that's significant because they'll now control both the delegates and the alternates. Okay. In another local union, I think they have six spots, five or six spots. And currently, there's 38 people running. Okay? <clears throat> For six spots. Well, what that means is those 38 people water down to vote. I'm going to explain that to you. And this is being spewed by one of the experts running around out there. Everybody run for election. Everybody run for delegate. Well, when everybody runs for delegate, let's say you have the six people and there's um, uh, 3,000 people in the local, we'll call it, just off, we just used random random numbers here because I didn't get them for you exact, but that's about correct. Um, six people, that means you have 18,000 votes total because everybody gets six votes. And let's say that probably in this election, you know, 30% of the people vote, so 30 of 6,000, you're going to look at, what's that, Six uh, 18,000, that's 6,000. 33%, 6,000 votes. So 6,000 total votes across eight, 38 people. Now, you know you have your shadow government out there within our locals, all the supporters, the identified opinion leaders that they've gone out and uh, made sure that they know who they are and they've went out and asked them to support their, their group. And that's the power of a slate. And they'll have the slate with their six candidates on it, supporting Ruther Caucus people. That's not going to say that on it, but they're, that's what they're going to do because they've all been told, we got our eye on you, we're going to move you up, get you in one of those international staff jobs, paying a hundred and, you know, whatever thousand dollars a year, and get, guess what? You know, you won't have to work online, never have to run for election again, ever. And you'll be up there. Those are pretty cushy jobs. Not, I don't want to say they're not, you know, work that they're, you know, they do work hard, okay. But they're nice jobs. There's a lot of perks to them. And everybody in these local unions are being told, "Let's move up. Let's move up. We got your, we got our eye on you. You know, we're gonna move you up." And they all looking at them like, "Yeah, well, let's go. Move me up." Well, so all of these six people that they've selected to run are those type of people, Kool-Aid drinkers. 
Kool-Aid drinkers. So you have their block, okay, and let's say their block is going to get uh, 200 votes apiece. So they're going to pick up, you know, the, the 12 of them, or the six of them are going to be 1,200 votes. And that means that there's some 4,800 votes across the other 32 people. And those people aren't going to pick up that that many votes. Maybe, I've, you know, it, it's really watered down. So 38 people for 40, 4,800 votes, they might get 100 on average. You might slide one person in or two, but they're going to bolster their six really good. And in that local, they're only going to have one election, so you might pick up some of the alternates, okay, that they can't control as well. The one local that's running two elections, that's brutal, virtually. And remember now, okay, I was once considered one of the best politicians in the UAW, especially for outside politics. Okay, getting things put in place, counting noses, getting everything done, and you know whether it's at the Democratic Party or the County Commission or the State House or the Senate or federal, you know, uh, congressional candidates, congresspersons, House reps, senators in the United States Senate, whoever. I really did a lot of work along those lines. And I can tell you, when I heard that that election was being split in two, the absolute ability to control that election is just unbelievable. No one, I'm I'm going to to be a a, a procrastinator here, or a pontificator here. I believe that no one outside of that caucus at that local is probably going to get elected to Delhi. You might slide one in at the bottom of the alternates, but it's going to be really brutal in that local union. Okay. So now, those are, you know, the elections. If you have a lot of people running, uh, they're going to have a slate card, and they're going to have their people supporting that. And that's the power of a slate card. I mean, there's a lot of people that say, oh, there's no no value. We don't believe in slate cards. I'm going to tell you they work because you go down to your, your brothers and sisters online and they say, hey, I don't like so-and-so on your slate card. Fine, don't vote for that person. Vote for the other five, please. Okay, I can, I can do that. And the next person says, well, I don't like the other so-and-so. Okay, I can do that. But the aggregate... The aggregate is that your six people are going to get elected, and you know, whatever it might be, four, five, six, whatever. So, so now that you get elected, that's some of the games that get played with that. But now you get elected, and uh, you have uh, the folks that are, you know, there. And typically, this is what I was mentioning earlier, there'll be a meeting somewhere, 
and to be a nice little gathering of leadership, president and chairperson. The regional director may be there. Assistant regional director may be there. All the delegates will be invited. And they'll sit down and have a nice dinner. And I've seen motions be made to support certain people at the international constitution, the the convention. And, you know, that's why I brought up this Article 8, Section 25, I believe it was, that said you're not bound. No matter what they do, no matter what they say at that little meeting, what motions are made by what would be normally authoritative people from the international maybe, or the local, that make a motion and say, we motion to support XYZ candidates from XYZ caucus. You're not bound by it. And don't forget it. And after that meeting, they'll have a great big party somewhere around the regional hall. You know, it might be an outside event. I've seen it at, at the regional office. And all the delegates are invited for the whole region. And they treat you and mind frame you as if you are a member of their Ruther caucus. And when you leave that, you will feel duty bound to the Ruther caucus. There is no provision in the Constitution to have such a meeting. I would recommend telling the pound salt up their ass and don't go. Don't go to their little meeting at the region office. Or if it seems to be more political than you believe it should be, leave. You do not want to be mind-framed and being owned by them because this is all contrived, constructive by very, very slick folks that do such mind-framing. Okay, so now, you got through all that, and they give you a hat, a shirt, and everything at that meeting, says XYZ Caucus. I, you can wear it if you want. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't suggest anybody that's looking for change to have the... And remember now, it takes courage to have change. It takes courage to say, no, I don't want your frickin' shirt or your hat or any of your trinkets. Okay, so now you go down to the convention. And you're waltzing around, first day down there, everybody's all energized. You're looking around, and there's vendors everywhere, you know, tr- you know tr- uh, trinkets.
tickets everywhere, passing them out for you. Hey, don't forget to support this group. Don't don't forget to support that group. Don't don't forget now. You know you know where your bread's buttered. You know you know you got to do the right thing here. And then Monday night, after the convention is adjourned for the moment, or recessed rather, they will have whatever your vice is. It will be available. If it's women. If it's boat trips, if it's trips to Oakland Mall, 12 Oaks Mall, they will have everything for your vice. And they will have a profile on you before you go there. They will know who you are and what your vice is when you get there. And they will have, you know, they come over to you. We got a bus going to the shopping mall. Come on. We're having a big card game up here. Come on. We have a great big dance over here. And you can come on over here and have a big party. Reception rooms everywhere. Riverboats running up and down Detroit River. You name it. It's going to be just free for all. And come Tuesday morning, you'll get to, you know, hey, did you have fun last night? Yeah. You know, you know, please do the right thing. You know, what's important, don't you? You know, we're really looking at you to move you up. So do the right thing. That $100,000 job's waiting for you. Yeah. And then they'll have their election for Officers. And resolutions that have to go through a resolutions committee. One of my mentors told me once, he says, you know all these groups, this is Danjit, the, the one that taught me everything, the everything I know. Not everything I know, but a few things, and certainly put a fine point on many things. I thank him for all the education I received, but he didn't teach me everything. But he did say that all of those folks that are out there pouring over these convention resolutions, they're going to go to the convention committee, the resolutions committee, and they're going to get vetted out. And if they're not supported by the international leadership, they're just going to go by the wayside. Very, very few get through. And very few, if they do get brought up on the floor, get get approved. Very few. So it's it's a tough process. And then there will be not just resolutions but other uh, items on the, the floor uh, that they'll be voting on that are important. Uh, and you want to, you know, they have to, you know, uh, approve all the actions of the previous uh, International Executive Board and such things as that. All of that gets done, and then they pass out a bunch of stuff and some balloons fall, and, and you go home. 
most important thing you do in our union. Don't be swayed by all this shiny, all these shining, shiny objects that are there. Don't be swayed by the shiny objects. Please. There are things going on in our union, and we're going to bring these up here in another week or two that will make you so, so angry. Sometimes the rage in me gets so bad that I just really have a tough time with it because I know these things are going on. But we're going to tell you. Okay? So that's a lot of what you're going to see at the convention, some of the what you can expect out of your delegate elections. If you have 38 people running, that waters down the vote. You'll get 60 or 70 or 100 votes, and they'll have two or 300 votes for their people. The more that run, the less likely you're going to get anyone elected, unless it's somebody that's highly popular in the, you know, in the broad, broad uh, part of the, your local union, the whole membership. And a lot of those people have already been sucked in and brought and given Kool-Aid. By the way, there's some people out there that talking loud and saying nothing that have drunk some Kool-Aid. So it's not all elected officials. Not all elected officials that have drunk the Kool-Aid. There's some rank-and-file people talking loud and saying nothing that have drunk Kool-Aid. So... I want to talk about our union just a little bit. Please, young people, listen close. Just take a second and refocus on this show for just a second. Because I want to tell you, it wasn't always this way. Let me repeat that. What's going on in our union? It wasn't always this way. I hired in to the very building where the sit-down strikes were initiated in 1936 and ended on February 11, 1937. I hired into the very building I worked with those sit-down strikers. The second day, as I was walking out, an old sit-downer come up and grabbed me by my right shoulder with a vice grip. I'm 19 years old, and he says, people died right here on this sidewalk so you could work here today, and don't you ever forget it. Brothers and sisters, I've never forgotten it. And it's one thing that sets me apart from each and every despicable union leader in our union. Because I had that the second day. This man didn't wait for some union awareness committee to come and say, hey, 
you gotta you gotta be, you know, rah rah. UAW. He just came out and did it. And we need more like him. People died so you could have these benefits. And assholes would give them away. If they fought the membership, I'm sorry, if they fought the corporations like they're fighting the membership, we'd all be making the $150 an hour relative wages that we made back in the 70s. I can make the case with a lot of overtime that had that been carried through based on their own product line at General Motors, that in the middle to late 70s, I made the today's equivalent of $340,000 a year, roughly a hundred and I'm going to say $20 an hour, and then you get the overtime. That's a lot of money. That's why we could buy a house, two cars, boats, snowmobiles, cottage up north, all of that. Because we made real money. And it's been suppressed so badly. And we're going to cover why in the next few weeks. It's been suppressed. The leaders at the top have given our livelihood away, and they have affected every other iteration of the wage base down to minimum wage. My office is in the ghetto. I see people walking hopeless, learned helplessness. They've learned to be hopeless and accept it because there's no way of changing it. It takes courage to change. Remember, a lot of courage. I was at AutoZone pickup. Somebody cut my rear uh, wiper, so I had to buy a new one. They cut the wiper blade with a, whatever kind of, probably an exacto knife or something. So I went over to buy one. The guy waited on me. He said, hey, it's me. Remember me from the car wash? I said, yeah. I'm over here. It's really cool over here. It's good. It's making more money. Nah, it's the same money. Well, you know, how much you making? Nine fifty. Nine fifty. Can I ask you a question? I said. Yeah. How do you freaking live on nine fifty an hour? Without hesitation, he said, "I don't." My wife works, and I'm going to have to take a second job. And she's talking about leaving me. We've driven wages so low in this country, it's deplorable. We cut our own wages in half in 2007 for new people coming in. It 
took their pension and their health care and retirement away from them. Deplorable. Deplorable. We need to change this. We have to turn it around. And we have to be smart about when we do it. Can't be threatening to shoot somebody or beat somebody up. We have to be smart. Part of what our problem is in our union right now is not constitutionally based. Everybody's mad, so they looked at a constitution, and I want change. I want to change the constitution. Be careful. Be careful. The real problem with our union isn't in the constitution, it's in the contract. All of the joint activity appointees that become beholding to the president and chairperson of the local union, the local union leadership, to retain their job because they've made your jobs on the factory floor, especially the Detroit Three, so horrible that nobody wants to return to that, that job. They'll do anything. Sell their soul to stay on that job. Jeff can attest. I'm not going to ask him to, but Jeff can attest that that's occurred. Things that are absolutely clear people voted against. In fact, they did so in such a way to put themselves in a position that might cause them a felony. Possible. In our union. Election fraud is a felony. about one thing that's real controversial and I'm going to put it out there I agree in principle that what we have is not working our delegate convention system because of lately because of the appointees that become the shadow government and are beholding to the local union leadership and they use it totalitarian mindset to control them and the amount they're in subsequently to membership. <clears throat> as long as that exists, we're going to continue to have these problems. We need to stop that. There's a case that's been made by Skip Hanline that says the companies violating just by the whole national training centers. We're not putting the money in that that's required to be 50-50. So the case can be made that the national training centers are a gift to the union and they're paying for our union reps and the whole thing should go away. 
and I'm going to tell you I opposed it when it came in, and I'm going to say it again. The whole thing just ought to disappear and evaporate. It would be the best thing for the membership that could possibly happen. But it's given rise to the problem that we have with the delegate convention system because they have absolute control over the delegates these days, as I've just indicated. And it's it's not working. And for the reasons that I just outlined, that's why it's not working. Not because there's another way that's better, because the people that sat down and deliberated in Congress to, to give us one or the other, and we chose delegate convention, made it equal. They they believed these were equal. But now we want to have a one person, one member, one vote. And it's real popular to do that. And there's a number of resolutions out there on that. But we also know that there's billionaires out there that are attacking our unions. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Billionaires with a lot of money attacking our unions. We've seen it in U.S. What is it? Uh, Investors Daily. We saw an article in Investors Daily that said that billionaires are attacking the labor force unions. So be careful because. If you get one member, one vote, and a billionaire wants in, they go find a, you know, somebody and pay him thirty pieces of silver to get elected, and then they go ahead and promote them with their money to get elected. They get elected. President, treasurer, because they're not going to support anybody else. They just want the president and treasurer. Why? Hmm. Well, I'll give you why. This is why you got to be very damn careful what you do here. The why is, and I've talked about this privately to a lot of people, but it's time you learned it. The why is as follows. They get Mr. Widget to go out and get a thousand signatures, and they pay hundred buck Visa card to sign his petition. Because oh, remember the little shadow government? If you're from a small local union and you have to get a thousand signatures from your region, and your local only has two hundred people. When you go to anybody over there, to the larger local, ask them to sign it, they're going to go, I'm not signing it. They told us to only to sign from our local. And if we do anybody else's local, they'll find our name on the petition, and they're going to attack us. Remember this vendetta that put us back on the line? They'll give us even worse job, maybe set up something where we have a little problem here or there. We've seen three people get discharged 
that were our supporters. Three other people lost their membership. One person in the hospital. Seven people. And more. But they'll say, you you know, it's going to make it real difficult to get the signatures because they've told them, don't sign any other local union. We're going to support our own. So getting the petition signed is going to be very difficult, one. Two, the only way to get it done is offer money. And we don't have that kind of money. So the billionaires coming in and get Mr. Widget, Brother Widget over here. Brother Widget goes over and says, hey, I got a I got a hundred dollar Visa card here for you if you sign my petition. Changes the game a little, doesn't it? Okay, so they get their hundred thousand signatures, and then their backers put out nice literature nationwide. It takes a million dollars to do one mailing. Mister Widget doesn't have it. None of us have that kind of money. But the billionaire backers do that. I hope you're paying attention. I really do. Because this is important stuff. And they get delegates, or I'm sorry, they get enough members for one person, one vote to get Mr. Widget elected. And uh, we'll be gender neutral here and we'll say, Madam Widget gets elected treasurer. But President, Madam Widget, President, and Mr. Widget, treasurer. Let's do that. We'll break the glass ceiling. And they go over there and they're elected and they get sworn in on the second day of convention. Well, right after the convention... They go down to the bank, and they get new signature cards from the bank, because that's one of the things you have to do, president and treasurer. They go back to their office, and they make a phone call to their backers, and they say, yeah, you know, we got this account down there in the Bahamas. Uh, we got your houses and all of your stuff offshore set up, airplanes all gassed up and ready to go. Okay. Wire transfer to the Bahamas of the Strike and Defense Fund. Some last at last check, eight hundred million dollars, almost as much as Mark Fields' pension fund. One man from Ford. That eight hundred plus goes to the offshore account. And we sit there twiddling our thumbs with no backup or strike or defense of our union against anything deemed necessary by the International Executive Board. It's all gone. Because the billionaires, Mr. and Mrs. Widget, went down there and did a wire transfer. They got on a jet. And you can't find them anywhere in the world now. And they're living high on the hog. Now, they might do that with a few others and maybe go after some of the pension money, maybe go after some of the VIVA money. 
don't know the limits of that. So be very, very, very damn careful when you're talking about one member, one vote. The signature base doesn't work because I just told you why. If you have an experience base, and that's what's in place currently, by the way, nobody's getting promoted that doesn't have some experience below them under their belt, so to speak. Even in this system that we have that's broken like nobody's business. If you have a requirement of one full term, not a partial term, one full term on at least a local union executive board before you may even put your name in the hat to be on the international executive board, you now, whether good or bad, you now have some experience You now have some experience. And then if you want to have a signature base, you say, okay, from your local union, you have to have what, what your last, this is a suggestion, what your last triennial election numbers voted. In other words, if you have 3,000 people and 900 voted, you have to have 40% of them sign your petition within your local union based on the last numbers for your the total number of voters from your last triennial election. Now you weed out the bad people that might be there because people that don't like this operator because they're bad won't sign that petition saying we'll support you to be on the International Executive Board. Now you have two, two criteria that qualifies, don't you? Okay, you don't have to go to another local whereby the people are put, you know, on notice that don't don't sign anybody outside our local. You have signatures from the person's local assuring that this person has a modicum, no, that's 40% is quite a bit, a modicum of credibility amongst their peer members. And they have at least one term, one term executive board. Okay, so that's the recommendation when you're writing these up. I don't know that they're going to get passed unless you have 50% plus one. And we're still working on that. I'm going to say this. Tomorrow could be one of the single biggest up days in the stock market. We're at the bottom side of a W double bottom with the shoulders, inverted head and shoulders in this pattern, and 99% of this pattern says it's going up, and it's going up a lot first day. If that happens and moves up, 
you'll have yet another opportunity to sell and get out of this market. We're probably going back up and touch the tops again. That's just a little insight. You should know that because people were worried about getting hurt when it fell the last time, and it looks like it's going back up there. If it gets back up there, that's a double top and a uh, W pattern, or an M pattern, I'm sorry, and you need to get out. So that's just a little our opinion here. Uh, so, But we're working on the abilities to do some mailings, so you know. And we may have that 50% plus one. Yeah. We'll see. It takes money, brothers and sisters, to win. It's a cold, hard, brutal fact. They're spending it like it's water. None of us individually or collectively have that kind of money. And we're going to make the case that dues dollars were used for campaigning at least in one instance that we can prove. And we know exactly and specifically because of previous legal background and cases that we've read where mistakes were made, how to do it properly this time. And if we make our case well enough, many of the people sitting around 8,000 Jefferson will just simply go to jail. And that's our best goal. Get them gone. Because the National Training Center stuff that's going on there, I don't even want to define it. It's just the tip of the iceberg. There's stuff going on. Let me, let me <laughs> I want to make this point while I have your attention. There's stuff going on just just make you just go, wow. Let's, let's start with this premise as we go into this convention. I'm going to use, there's a lot of things out there. I mean, the tier system, all of this temporary stuff, no pathway to seniority, no pathway to top wage, only by the... the the good graces of the national parties. Can you even ascend from temporary to seniority or get into the, uh, the progression? Because when you get there, you get up, there's a tier two still that you're not in progression yet. Okay, so, but let's just take the retiree issue. The stock market, since March 6th, of 2009 has gone up 300 percent. In 2009, the General Motors pension fund was approximately 62 billion dollars. If it were to appreciate 300 percent, it should be 240 billion dollars based on stock market. Now we know there's a lot of bonds and treasuries held, so it's not all stock. But let's just say 25% of that. The attrition 
is $180 million. Billion, billion dollars, I'm sorry. 25% of that's uh, 60, 45, 45 billion dollars. So let's say it could be 995 billion, 97 billion. Did, did that on my head, by the way. Um, so it's nowhere near that. It's 59 billion last I looked. But you can rest assured if it goes down 20%, because that's a maximum move these days in the stock market, that they're going to have it go down to 48, 46 billion, and it'll come under the threshold of the 80%, and the pension funds will be cut in half. Pension funds will be cut in half because they put the Pension Protection Act in black letter print in our contracts in the Detroit Three last round and relieved at least one corporation that I'm positive of putting any more money in it, in a pension plan. There's reasons for that that we're going to get into in the next couple of weeks. But I'm telling you, that pension fund ought to be at least $97 billion, and it's not. It's not. Where did that money go? It didn't hit the bottom line. We're going to tell you where it went in the next couple of weeks. And Mark Fields was a perfect example of it. $858 billion, or million dollars, $858 million in his pension fund. His total wages at his highest rate, $21.2 million. It would have taken him 34 years to work and get that much money in his pension fund. So, well, we've gone about an hour, and I've talked a lot. So we're going to wrap this up. I hope you found value in this evening's show. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate everybody's support. We hope that we gave you some uh, insight into especially the one member, one vote. I, I think it's probably the answer in today's environment with these appointees. But we have to be careful on how we write it, okay? We have to be careful. We can't just do change just because of change, because we might change something that allows billionaires to come in and destroy our union, like I just outlined to you. Please listen to that. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you to be objective about it. And you have to think things through beyond the the, the obvious. You have to see what's obvious and what's obscure, what's behind it. You always have to weigh every decision that you make. And this one's going to be made in, in mass by the membership because there's such anger over this. And it's not really constitutional or federal law based. It's based in the, con in the, the uh, contract because we have these appointees there. Shadow government that's been created.
created over the last some 30 years, 36 years, roughly since 1982, that stuff started in, in bigger ways. Prior to that, we had special projects. There would Management would pull people off the floor that had, you know, reasonable ability, and they'd say, hey, go research this particular project. You know, here's a clipboard and do it. That was management's decision to do that. We had no part in it. And then those people, after a week or two, they'd come back, you know, come back to the line. Say, hey, welcome back, you know. You have fun? Yeah. But the jobs weren't like they were are today. So we got to get that changed, too. These jobs can't be hurting you so much that you have to take opioids to do them. That's going to end. So having said that, Jeff, I hear you in the background a little bit. You're still out there, buddy. Uh, I'm you got still any, here. Got any closing comments? Um, yeah, they just you know, need to educate yourself on the issues, look over the Constitution. Um, during our series, we have pointed out some things that may need to be changed, do need to be changed, um, and take it over, write a, write a resolution. Uh, if you need help, contact one of us. We'll, we'll help you out. Um, but everyone's right. Um not going to get any better, folks, unless everybody has the courage to do it. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. I want to point out uh, thanks to everybody in the switchboard. we got a lot of people in the switchboard here tonight. and I want to thank everybody for coming on and listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Most of you we know by name. Uh, And uh, many, many thanks to all of you for spending your hour here on a Sunday evening, or hour-ish on a Sunday evening being here. Uh, Having said that, uh, I want to wish all the listeners and all the communities, everybody around the world, my goodness, I checked some IP addresses to our uh, our dot-com page. we got a Kazakhstan, uh, the Ukraine, uh, about 20 places in Mexico. we got the Philippines, unbelievable, Brazil, uh, Colombia, lots and lots of places listening besides our great United States, Canada, and Mexico, and all of our listeners at the local unions. We really appreciate you listening. We hope you find value in it. And having said that, have a safe week, and we'll see you next week. Good night, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Good night, Good listeners. On. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.